Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We are on episode 57. Before I start this episode, I just want to do a huge shout out to Huff and Puff Pork Crackle, which is made here in Australia and have been the biggest supporters of this podcast to help this industry stay connected. So thank you very much for your ongoing support. In today's episode, I am joined by Alex Freudman, who is now the Managing Director of Dan Murphy's. Alex has been someone I've known for a few years and really enjoy his leadership style and personal drive. It was therefore great to have Alex on the show where we discuss a range of topics. We start by discussing his journey from being declined as a shelf stacker at Tesco's to then becoming MD of Dan Murphy's. We talk about his time at Coles and also his leadership style, the lessons he's learned away, but we also talk about how COVID-19 affected Dan Murphy's and Alex has only been MD in that role for a few months, so he had a lot to learn and a lot to adapt. So it was incredible to hear the stories from behind the scenes that went on during the panic buying and how Dan Murphy supported local businesses and individu- individuals during this time. Real eye-opener episode, really enjoyed Alex's time, top bloke, and absolutely fantastic to have him on the show. So for now, just sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 57. Huff and Puff Pork Crackle is Australian-owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand-fried and available in a range of flavours, the tasty crunch is hard to resist. Absolute pleasure to have you on the Retail Ready podcast, Alex. Um, someone I've known for a few years, but it's uh, it's absolute pleasure to have you on the show to tell your your story personal story but also the story of where you are now with Dan Murphy's but firstly welcome to the show thanks Ben thanks for having me no thank you and you're working from home like the rest of the country and hopefully uh not for too long but uh how you finding how you finding uh being the managing director of Dan Murphy's working from home first uh, well, it's a real privilege to be the MD of Dan's. You know, it's such an iconic brand. Um, I, I've been in the job now for three and a half months. Right, and, uh, good. Working, yeah, <laughs> working, good introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty busy three and a half months. And, uh, and working from home was not uh, part of the journey I expected to have in my first three and a half months. But, uh, you know, it's been a surprising journey working at home. It's been very, um, very productive, I think, not just for me, but for the whole the whole company. So, I think that's been a surprise to many of us, and I don't think work will ever quite be the same again, even past the crisis. Interesting, interesting. Well, before we talk about the Dan Murphy's journey that you're, you're now uh, on, we know we knew each other from Coles. Um, I was lucky enough to sit literally next to you, to be honest, wasn't it, for about two years. Um, I don't know how I got uh, a seat like that, but I remember sitting next to yourself Um and a few other kind of key players. So I learned a hell of a lot in two years sitting near you, but you were at Coles for 10 years uh, before you moved to Dan Murphy's. And before that, you were at Tesco's, I believe. And I remember you did a presentation uh, once to the team, but you're you're not even, you didn't even study business, did you? Your first degree was in history. (laughs) Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, well, originally I come from a country town in the UK. We share an accent, as I'm sure I'm sure you've yeah. spotted, and um, a, a town called Shrewsbury in the Midlands. And uh, I have a degree um, 
from Oxford in history, which is incredibly useful for retail <laughs> of liquor in Australia, of course. Um, although actually, seriously, it, it, it's um, the, the way Oxford teaches history in a funny way actually has proved to be very useful in my career because I don't know if you know this, but the teaching method uh, at, at that university is is pretty much all one to one, and a lot of the the oh, data wow. get the data gathering is uh, is self taught. So training for assimilating information quickly and coming up with a coherent story you know you can play back to someone who knows far more about the topic than you do yourself um it's a good training ground for that for sure well they are it paid it paid off and how's your journey been so far because you've had some very high pressure jobs uh and i'm sure you've had to make some high pressure decisions tell us from the start so you 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 started your food career in tesco's and then you came over to coles have you enjoyed working in that industry yeah very much i've always been a frustrated retailer really from a young age so uh, if i go back to my uh, my youngest days uh, even you know, spending time with my um, my grandparents my, yeah. my favorite outing uh, believe it or not was uh, to asda in wrexham with my nan and uh, walking up and down the aisles and being able to pick my favorite products and even when I was at Oxford, actually, I, I applied unsuccessfully three times to Tesco to uh, get a job on the on the checkouts. So uh, I was frustrated in my quest for a long time. So when I eventually made it made it into Tesco, it was uh, something of you know a culmination of an ambition. And when I when I when I started, actually, I didn't start in food. I went into really what was a, a business development type role um, under the Tesco.com business. And yeah, okay. my, my first role was to figure out whether or not there could be a role for Tesco in consumer broadband. And actually, my first paper I wrote for them was, will consumer broadband ever take off? So it shows, me, it shows how old I am. And I said it would. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, at least you're right. <laughs> at, least, <Yeah. laughs> at least no one can look back at that paper and went, oh, this guy didn't have a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, and, and, and because that business then, then did become a, become a business, I was um, allowed to stay on and become a, a commercial manager for, in that telecoms business. And, uh, and I moved into food thanks to the sponsorship of a man called Andrew Higginson, who's now gone on to be the chairman of Morrison's in the UK. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a real l- learning for me because, uh, you know, I, I, I was a bit naive. I didn't even know what sponsorship meant when he asked, well, when he said mm. he wanted to sponsor me. And, uh, but what it meant was I was able to move into the core Tesco business, which was obviously food retailing. Yeah, okay. and, um, and what was really exciting for, for me um, at that point was that they gave me um, responsibility for running the, the ready meals business at Tesco, or at least the premium healthy end of the, the ready meals business. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever really felt like I'd been at the wheel, you know, of a, of a quite an iconic business that was that was on sale all, all over the country and in the, yeah, wow. on the plates of customers. And uh, I'm sure you had the same feeling working in, in retail, but it's uh, it's a real sort of responsibility when you first get that as someone relatively young in your career and uh, that was that was a pretty exciting time oh it's, it's I, I have so much fun and and you probably grasped that when we worked with each other like it, it it's so so rewarding seeing all the work that you do for and people don't realize how long projects last for in retail like you could be working on something for three years and then it finally gets to the shelf and you kind of go that, that was all worth it, all the headaches in between and the hurdles and the politics. Uh, but seeing that on the shelf, it, it kind of makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it really does, especially, you know, the, the, I'll, ne- I'll never, ever get over the thrill. I still have it. If, if you have an idea and 
the product becomes real because of something you did or an idea you had. And then to stand in a store and watch customers buy that product, yeah. is, is a, I still get the same buzz today as I, I got 20 years ago. That's fantastic. That was- and you made the move from Tesco's to Coles. Um, what were, was it? Was it an easy decision to come over to Australia, or what was what was you thinking in that? Well, it, it was always something um, I'd wanted to do, uh, work overseas, that is. And um, I'd been hoping for a, a while at Tesco to make it into the Tesco Californian business, which they'd opened back then. But um, that didn't prove possible for many reasons, one of which being that business didn't go very well. Yeah, right. And uh, it was just really, whether it's fate or coincidence or what, I don't know. But I, I got a phone call from a headhunter saying, was I interested in a conversation about joining Coles and, uh, and having a, a coffee with a guy called Archie Norman, who, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, who, who Brits would know is you know, a bit of a retail godfather in the British retail industry, especially, but globally now as well. Yeah. And um and, uh, you know, like, of course, what a great way to persuade me to come to a meeting. And I had a great chat with Archie and then later met uh, John Durkin. And um, it was it was quite a, a no brainer, really, for me you know, to come into a turnaround situation. Tesco was very good about it. You know, they said if it didn't work out, I could come back any time. And, yeah, uh, and Australia is a wonderful country. So um, yeah, there was not not much risk from my perspective. Fantastic. And you've been here ever since. <laughs> Yeah, and, and a bit of a journey. Um, in the initial job I got was um, from John Durkin was to running the health, beauty and baby department at Coles. And as I pointed out to John, I knew nothing about health, beauty and baby at all. But um, I think he said to me memorably, he said, don't worry, you'll be reporting to George Diamond and he doesn't either. So you'll be fine. <laughs> so, yeah, that's and, funny. Uh, but it was it was great. And uh, John and George together, you know, gave me so much um, so much trust, really, to go and experiment. And I uh, worked closely with Procter & Gamble. And we um, we did a, a department transformation, you know, new products, new look and feel of the department, new flows, new adjacencies, new lighting, new signage, new everything really. And it started in one trial store in Port Melbourne in Victoria, and then and then we rolled it out across the country in less than uh, less than two years. So that was wow. that was pretty fun, but also just an early lesson for me of if you give someone the trust and and the money, you can you know big things can happen. Yeah. That's some fun. And have you found with like stepping from different projects to projects over the years and different companies, it's just one big learning curve or, and the stuff you've learned from the last project goes on to the next project? Or do you feel it's also the people you're around and kind of, um, yeah, the, the attitudes to, to what's to come? Where, where would you say uh, your learnings have been from where you are today? Yeah, I think it's a good question. It's certainly been very varied my career within retail because, you know, you think I went from telecoms to ready meals yeah. to health and beauty to packaged grocery to meat um, and, and then to broader fresh within Coles before coming across to liquor. And, uh, you know, all those supply chain industries are very different, but there certainly are similarities. And I suppose the some of the things I've learned along the way would be, um, you know, certainly building a, a good team around you and creating a culture of trust is really important, I think, because you, you have to understand the business that you're working in or that, that I'm working in. Uh, you have to understand the market you're in and the, what customers want from you. And I think from a, a success point of view, I find it's just very important to understand how is profit made in this industry? Yeah, you know, how, yeah. how, how will we be successful? And how do we think that will change in the next five years, 10 years? And how will we continue to be successful? So that's all very important yeah. and I've, I've also always found in retail because it's such a day-to-day business that you have to 
you have to really establish that operating rhythm quickly and the operating rhythm by which I mean what you do week in, week out, day in, day out is what gives you the permission and the oxygen then to focus on the long term. If you're delivering the short term well, it, it, kind of, it builds the trust of the people around you that, to give you the space uh, to deliver the more exciting stuff. That's in, yeah, very impressive. And your your stress levels, like to do all that that you've just said, like requires yeah a lot of patience, uh, a, a lot of trust, and kind of um, working with a lot of people. How do you deal with the the stress? Uh, especially, I know I can't I can't uh, say what the stress levels like must be like at Dan Murphy's, but I used to know the stress levels at Coles. Um, how would you how would you used to deal with all that? Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I honestly find it a hard question to answer. I think I'm I'm naturally quite a calm person, um, and I think I, I I always try to have perspective on crises. You know, we're not mm. you know we're not surgeons, we're not doctors. You know, we're not saving people's lives um, yeah. as important as our jobs are, and and I also have a very strict um, you know boundaries between home life and and work life. You know, when when the work day ends, it ends. And you yeah, do, okay, I good. do all, all I can do um, within that time. But then I have to have the downtime for my brain to to work well. And I have to get a good night's sleep. And I've, I've learned that certainly over all of my career and back through education that I, I just don't function well uh, without good sleep. So that's very important to me. Yeah, it's just a, I think people uh, just don't take into consideration how good sleep is. Like it's, from from a nutrition nutritionist point of view and even just researching it and it's a it's a huge topic i'm looking into from a, a product development point of view just like how to get better sleep and how to improve consumers sleep like it's it's powerful absolutely powerful and someone in like the stress that you must go in day to day yeah it's nice to know that <laughs> you you still manage to try and get a good night's sleep and it i think a lot of people need to to remember how powerful sleep is yeah, and I think also, I think I, I try very hard to create atmospheres of trust and calmness in the people that report to me. And mm. uh, I think that helps because if the people that, that are you're around you are stressed because their stress is their stress is mirroring your stress, Yeah, everyone just gets more stressed. You know what I mean? So if, every, <laughs> yeah. if everyone's kind of, and I think as the leader, you know, leadership leaders do cast a very long shadow. I think if you can try to be the one that's calm and, you know, deals with the issues and works through things methodically, and I think also I also have this inner this inner confidence always that um, whatever situation we're facing will come out of it better than we were before, in whatever way. So I'm always optimistic about the future. That's fantastic. And let's move on to where you are now. Um, a huge jump, a huge. Well, I I I see it as a huge jump. You might just see it as a, another project uh, along with the Tesco's lines and stuff like that. But what what made you even comprehend moving to Dan Murphy's what can you go into detail about how you fancied a change and kind of how that came about well I think I'd always wanted to be I've always wanted to be a managing director just because I've always had that passion for the um the general management side of the business and uh so it, it's been something uh, on my career plan if you like for a long time yeah. and um when the opportunity came up from for Dan's uh, it just uh it just was a great fit for me, really. Yeah. I didn't didn't take too much thinking about it at all. It's um, it's an it's an MD position, you know. That was something I've, I've been hoping for, but also um, such an iconic brand, and I you know I feel this amazing sense of privilege every day to be able to to work in a brand like this because um, 
it's as loved you know by Australians as and as well known by Australians as as any brand in the country. In fact, I think it is the most loved retail brand according to KPMG. So oh, wow. uh, and it's a brand with you know a great past and a very bright future, and I could see a lot of lot of potential. So um, it it was not not a difficult decision and. 10 fantastic years at Coles, um, notwithstanding, it was, uh, it was a, a call I felt I had to make. That's it. That's incredible. And you, you can answer this, so you don't have to, but when you go for an MD role job interview, <laughs> is it, do, do, do you still have to do the same uh, as anyone else? Or do they understand, right, we know this guy, we know what his caliber's like, and maybe just kind of talk around the the your future strategy and your kind of leadership and stuff like that? Or is it, have you found it's a different interview style? Um, I suppose what's different is you, I found that um, a lot was known about me already. Yeah. I think that, that's just the nature of, you know, <laughs> yeah. the re- retail, re- even it's a big industry, it's a small world. So I, I think um, by reputation or by what I'd done, a lot was known about me already. So I think yeah. you know, I'd, I've been identified probably already as a possible fit. But then, uh, you know, of course, I, I did go through um, some psychological assessments and some interviews and some in, with, um, you know, psychologists and so on, as, as you'd expect for this kind of role. So hopefully, hopefully I, I presume I passed those tests. Yeah, I hope so. And there's, there's no hell week or anything like that through with David Goggins <laughs> or anything like that. Is there? No, no, nothing like that, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so moving, moving on to the last three and a half months, what a crazy time to become managing director of yeah one of Australia's most loved businesses. Firstly, how was the first couple of weeks? And then I'd love to talk more about literally the the hurdles and probably opportunities that you faced with COVID nineteen uh, mm. and also future plans. So how how was the first? Were you in the office when it like you? you managed to meet the team and stuff like that before you started or if, like, did you get at least a, an introduction? <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my first day in the office, I think was the uh, 15th of January thereabouts. And yeah. um, yeah, so, yeah, so I met the team, I met the the broader Endeavor drinks team up in Sydney and I met some of the Woolworths team as well, also in Sydney. Oh, great. And um, yeah, my, my first impressions were just um, were very, you know, very strong. You know, I, I had spent a lot of time. Um, I had an eight-month gap between leaving Coles and, and starting it down, so I had a lot of time to think about the brand and um, yeah. what I, what and I drink, might drink some yeah. of the brands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sample some of the products and, uh, and think about what I might do. And um, you know, my, my first impressions were, you know, just incredibly positive. It's um, it's it's just a a magical brand and. Yeah. You know, in retail, one of the goals of any retailer is to be trusted by by customers. But, you know, I think when I uh, look at customer feedback on on Dan's, it's not just trusted, it's it's actually loved, you know, by lots of people. So that's a, you know, real responsibility to take up, take over a brand like yeah, that. And, um, yeah. and I think also it was, it was clear to me from from coming in that, it, you know, it, it wasn't in any sense a turnaround type story. It's It was more the way I put it is uh, it's a jewel of, of Australian retail and um, the job of an MD coming in is just to make sure that it still is a jewel in, you know, 10, 15 years time. So that, that's how I, uh, you know, I, I rationalized what my job w- was going to be. And uh, I was really, um, you know, I really enrolled myself in, in listening, you know, so I was very busy meeting the team out in stores, yep. in the support offices and just listening really and talking about the brand and getting ideas of what we might do next. And um, Fantastic. I was pretty much in studying that induction program really when, um, 
when COVID-19 came along. Yeah, so probably a first for a Dan Murphy's MD and a lot of MDs around the country in different businesses. Yeah. Um, what what was your reaction to it like at the start? Did you Did you take it seriously as a business or did you kind of see it as kind of going oh because no one no one could have expected the the panic buying that went on and kind of four Christmases in kind of two weeks kind of thing from a sales uplift like what what was the initial thoughts from a business point of view well I think if the, the culture of the business is important I think to to reference in this because the the culture that um of Woolworth that Brad um and Steve Donahue's created in Endeavour is very outward looking, very forward looking, and also, you know, very transparent. Yeah. So there were a lot of conversations happening about COVID, uh, about what was happening overseas and, and, yeah, okay. and, the, and the impact it might have from, from pretty early on um, in, in, in the program. So, um, so it wasn't like it came as a complete bolt from the blue. I think the, the very early days of it, um, you know, my approach to it, as I think the whole of the whole of the business's approach for it was one was, a very clear true north really which was the safety of the team and of customers and the second thing is dan's is always aims to be the most responsible liquor retailer anyway so it was an easy step to say well we're we're going to aim to be the most responsible retailer in a covid19 scenario as well and um you know my role i felt pretty clear from that was as an md was to be looking ahead anyway and also assessing external risks and yeah. um, and my wife Rachel actually is a dentist, so she's um, you know, not a medical... just a dentist. Um, yeah. Probably one of the best dentists uh, that I've ever come across. So a shout out to yeah your your amazing wife uh, <laughs> who sorted a lot of uh, toothache for me. So yeah, appreciate that. Oh good. Well, I'll pass that on to her. She's um, yeah. No, no, she no, I'm, shout I'm, out. I'm biased, of course, but she's a fantastic dentist. But she's a, but, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but also as a medical professional, she um. You know, she's so in tune with, uh, you know, the, the risk of viral transmission and all these things. Yeah, so, okay. so she and I were talking about it a lot at home, which helped give me some interesting perspective. And I actually did um, the first thing I, I did for the, for the wider team was on the 12th of March. I did a um, what we call a stand up, which is a huddle with with all of the people in the support office to talk about okay. because I was detecting growing I wouldn't quite say anxiety, but certainly growing awareness, concern about it, mm. about what might be coming down down the track at that point. So I stood up and, and I just thought this was a chance for me to explain at least my interpretation of what is meant by flattening the curve, why we were going to be hearing a lot more about that, what our responsibility was going to be in terms of social distancing, hand washing, you know, managing the transmission spread um, and a flavour of what might be coming. So I thought it was yeah. important to start planting the seed with people, but also I think people look to their leaders at those times just to see, you know, can I trust this person? Yeah. Are they worrying about the same things that I'm worrying about, even if they don't have the answers at that, at that point? So that, that was the first thing. And then on the 16th, which um, I think it was the 16th, which was the Monday, we um, that was the day we closed our support office and uh, and we, we we moved everyone remote. Oh, and, wow. and uh, you know, and the important thing on that day was the, the IT worked perfectly. So we're, yeah, we're, we're, a Google, we're a Google yeah. organization and we use you know, Google Hangouts and uh, all the documents are Google-based documents for sharing. And it, it just worked seamlessly. So the, the, the beauty of that was everyone was off-site, all, all the support office people were off-site, that is, and we were able to, to be productive straight away. So that, that was relatively early. And then the other thing I did that day was, uh, again, trying to look ahead and assess risk for the business is um, mm. I said we needed to build a plan for going dark 
uh, by which I mean we needed to build a plan for if we weren't allowed to trade our bricks and mortar stores. Yeah, okay. Um, which when we came up with, you know, and, and, and the business is, is quite um, agile in that it, it's a business which is not like ones I've worked in before, which is uh, able to form quickly into squads and tribes to actually solve problems. Yeah. And uh, and what happened when I, I gave the team that challenge is we um, uh, basically a mini squad was formed around going dark and came up with five scenarios of how we would trade, you know, if, if varying different degrees of lockdown, you know, if we weren't allowed to trade bricks and mortar or some bricks yeah. and mortar, if we were allowed to do pickup, but only car park pickup, et cetera, et cetera. So very quickly we came up with a list um, sort of fully written out plans of, of how we would respond in any any given scenario. Which was which yeah. was important because it meant when we were we were staring into that possible darkness, it meant we could do it with confidence and we knew what we yeah. would do, you know, because there was so much unknown at that point. Oh, it's just crazy to say that you did the stand up uh, on the Friday, and before you know it, the Monday, everyone's at work, and even that week uh, in between, like the fifteenth and yeah, the the week after, so much changed, and it's it's fantastic to know that businesses like Dan Murphy's like responding straight away which which proved which just like i was in there not panic buying um but kind of just in there and just just seeing kind of the the different changes straight away even like the start of april um which was great to see did did you ever think it would become what it has been um and even from a, a dan murphy's point of view such as the just the crazy panic buying and uh, was it a surprise or um, kind of were you building up for that? Well, we, we, we kind of built built up to it. It was a surprise when it came because it came so quickly. Yeah. But, but what we were doing it by that point, um, I'll, I'll come on to the day, you know, it really took off. But the as a, as a leadership team, we were doing daily catch-ups and check-ins and, um, and really picking up ideas and concerns from stores around the country. So some of the things we were doing at that point was we'd already stopped our tastings, and that's you know, quite an iconic part of the dance yeah. experience. Um, you know, but that that came from a store suggestion, so we stopped that long before you know we, we were mandated to. Uh, we stopped our marketing. Um, we we just thought it was inappropriate to be talking you know about sales and promotions yeah. and so on at a time people were worried about their health. And uh, we cancelled our catalogs, for example. Um, we we we. we change the structure of our marketing team so they could focus on information for team members, for customers, um, social media, digital marketing. Um, and then on the 22nd of March, which is the, the day you, you probably recalled, is, was, the, was the Sunday when uh, it became clear in the media that lockdowns were coming. And, yeah. and for our team members in store, uh, Christmas Eve is the best way I can describe it, arrived at 3 p.m. And effectively, we went from a normal Sunday to a Christmas Eve type sales scenario, um, all of it after 3 p.m. on a Sunday. And that was when the uh, the now famous social media and uh, news photos were taken of people queuing down the aisles and queuing into the car parks and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, and, and you know, really from that point, I, I just can't praise the store teams enough, really, because they did a phenomenal job and we, we measure our customer satisfaction through a measure called voice of customer and um, our voice of customer satisfaction with us at the end of March was higher than it had been at the start. Oh, wow. Which is, you know, just shows you and that was a tough time for, for team members, not just dealing with the volume, but worrying about their own health, social distancing and, and so on. So it did, did an amazing job and we, we had to change a lot that week. We, we, yeah, we had to man. move de delivery, you know, because we had the Woolworth supply chain, 
um, very busy, obviously, uh, at that time. Um, and then suddenly, as well as dealing with packaged grocery, that supply chain suddenly had to deal with huge amounts of liquor people were demanding. So we yeah, moved yeah. we moved some suppliers to direct direct to store. Um, we recruited hundreds of new team members from um, ALH, which is our sister you know, hotel company, and um, from oh, Qantas. Right. And we yeah, I was going to say, um, I literally, I wanted to bring that up. Um, there was a massive recruitment drive for Qantas, which is just fantastic. Do you think? Do you think you'll give them back to Qantas when things settle down, or you you you're tempted to keep them? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it'll be up to them, won't it? But I'm sure they'll want, they'll want to go back to their their home company. I'm sure. But it, it but it, it's worked out well for us because, of course, a lot of those team members are um, responsible sale of alcohol qualified. Which you need to be ah, to work in a liquor store. So, um, yeah. so because you can serve liquor on an aeroplane, you can you can help sell liquor in a Dan Murphy's. So, Fantastic. yeah. But we had to, you know, the the our culture and people team had to fast track ways of bringing those team members on to do it quickly. Um, we had to double the amount of cleaning in our stores. We put yeah, in okay. uh, perspex screens to protect you know customers and team members from each other, and that okay. went from idea to reality in you know in less than two weeks. We we put down floor decals and to do social distancing and we even had guards i think we were one of the first if not the first retailer to have guards and doing one in one out social distancing counting yeah and um and we had to plan for absenteeism you know looking at italy italy was experiencing very high levels of you know absenteeism through illness so we had to plan for that um and we also created our first contactless um pickup so you know you could you could pick up and pull into a car park order online pull into a car park and have the, your product delivered into your car boot without having to contact a team member. So we, we invented that. Uh, we've moved our wine tasting online. So you can now get one-to-one um, wine consultations with a, a Dan Murphy's wine merchant you know, through your smartphone. Oh, wow. uh, we're doing virtual winery tours. Um, we've got the Dan Murphy's pub quiz on a Thursday night, which has become... <laughs> <laughs> which has become so so successful it's become a bit of a, an icon of the thursday evening of australians so yeah so just you know just so much um innovation really and so much yeah. hard work by the team to, to 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 really pivot the business in the space of a few weeks i just find that unreal we're, we're at the the start of may uh recording this start of may and you and this is why i just find it absolutely fantastic to speak to someone like you who's, who sees it and sees the development and kind of the changes March was only <laughs> a few weeks ago, like literally when you were doing the stand-up, six weeks, seven weeks, and all that has been implemented and changed and has changed the way consumers now can either pick up alcohol, buy alcohol, or even just explore the alcohol experience or even non-alcoholic experience, um, which is incredible. Is Has there been any kind of crazy surprises in terms of purchases that um came to your attention like did anyone panic like was was there just a an, an increase in a certain alcoholic beverage or product that made you go oh didn't expect that to happen during a, a pandemic or was it just across the board just absolute christmas festivity piss up well i think the um the the, the first thing is that uh, you know we should have expected it but it was nice to see it in action you know australians have this affectionate term for dan murphy's as uncle dan's and, uh, you know, at times of crisis and uncertainty, they absolutely turned to Uncle Dan. You know, you could just see that, you know, we, we they just came to us in, in unprecedented numbers. Mm. In terms of what they were buying, you know, they, they were buying, they were stocking up. People were certainly stocking up and, you know, buying more large cartons of product than they would normally, you know, getting ready for a long period of lockdown. But probably the biggest uh, product trend that we saw that was something new and something different was um, 
was cocktail making. So yeah, people, okay. you know, this real, I suppose, with bars being closed and people wanting to experiment at home. So that whole section of liqueur, you know, um, other spirits and making cocktails certainly has taken off uh, during the lockdown period. And interestingly, actually, one of the issues with the um, the limits that we put in place to help, you know, protect stock and availability was the limit was uh, two bottles of spirits you could buy in the spirits category. That was the limit. And as customers pointed out to us, if you wanted to, you know, make some cocktails at home, for example, if you wanted to make a Negroni and yeah, uh, a, mart- yeah. a martini, let's say, you weren't allowed to buy the products to make it. So, um, yeah, the, the limits were a bit of an inhibiting factor. But um, but now those limits have, have come off because we're over the the crisis of, of stockpiling of, 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 of product. Yeah, cocktail making seems to be going from strength to strength even more. That's fantastic. And I just want to touch on the point because... I think a lot of people forget how much big brands and you can't get much bigger than yeah, Dan Murphy's Uncle Dan's. What what were you doing to help the community kind of thing? Like you did all this to the to help the consumer, help your staff. Did you see that you had to do something to to help the wider community or um or were you just too busy doing everything else that um you kind of were like, Well, we'll just leave something aside. What was what was the views on that? Well, I mean, we were doing a lot for customer safety, of course, you know, which I've, I've, I've talked about. The um, In terms of the community, we were very conscious and, you know, and always are of our role in respect of the, the producer community for for wine, beer and yeah. spirits within Australia. And uh, Australia is a big export nation, of course, and, and also it's, it's a nation of, of restaurants and, and cafes and bars and, and pubs and of course all those venues were closed and the export markets were suddenly all closed as well and also even cellar doors weren't allowed to open so if that, that all added up to you know lots of producers who were doing it very very tough yeah. so um yeah so we, we created um and this was a really broad effort across the whole of the endeavor drinks organization but a local producer program which uh, has resulted in oh, cool. um in hundreds of producers coming into the Dan Murphy's network that, that weren't in it before. Oh, uh, wow. and, and, and for customers, customers can see that now with new local lines coming into their stores. And also if, if they go to the, um, the direct from supplier section on our website, that's the section where small suppliers, um, you know, whether they've got a pallet of stock or a, a warehouse of stock or a few cartons of stock can, uh, can sell their own stock through the Dan Murphy's website. And we've seen ah, yeah, many, many, many new producers, you know, which is great, great for the producers. There's some fantastic stories out there, but also, um, you know, it makes the shopping experience more interesting for customers. And as we know, customers love to discover new. So it's, yeah, it, that's been a, a, a program I'm, I'm really proud to have been a small part of. Fantastic. Which is a great segment when you say uh, expect new, because I, I shop in, uh, since having my brother over from the UK, we've been going into Dan Murphy's, like literally, I think, once every week or to once every two weeks and um i've actually given up alcohol for the year um but i still go into dan murphy's because it has one of the best non-alcoholic um sections whether that's beer or gin so we've had brunswick aces uh, on the podcast um who is on your shelves and trying to get the guys from seedlip on board as well because they've just done some incredible stuff mm. Where do you see the future going in terms of innovation and kind of your your kind of thoughts on once we've got over this, which we hopefully are, where do you think consumers will want to shop with Dan Murphy's? Where do you see like the biggest trends being, if you, if you know that? Well, I think the first thing is how they're going to shop. So the, 
the journey towards digital, not just from a shopping experience, but that's very important, but also from um, a discovery research um, experience. I think we fast forwarded that that whole change has fast forwarded three to five years probably. Yeah. Okay. So how how people shop, but also discover online, I think will never be the same again. In terms of trends, well, I mean, first I'll say it's really important to me that I think I think Aussies look to Dan's to lead the trends. So it's, yeah. imp- it's important to me that Dan's always is, is the leader and, and helps create those trends. But certainly, you know, I, I would I would call it I would describe what you've just described as uh, under this umbrella of, uh, of drink better. And when I say drink better, I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, for some people that means craft, you know, so craft beers, yeah. craft spirits. For others, it means um, that this new newish trend of minimal intervention in wine. So wines produced in a very traditional way. For others, it means yeah. local. Um, for others, it means low elk, like yourself, and, and no yeah. elk. So, and you know, and for others, it means newer varietals, so different varietals of wine, um, wine from different places. You know, South American wine we can see is growing and will probably be a trend in the next few years. And of course, the brand new one we've just talked about really is, is cocktails at home. So, um, okay. there's a lot really, and I think you know our job is to be the destination for for all of that and to uh, to read whatever comes along next and, and try to and try to give customers what they want. It sounds like it's going to keep you busy anyway, and it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, three and a half months into the role, and <laughs> you've probably you've probably learned more in uh, the last three and a half months than you probably would have expected over the last couple of years, to be honest. And uh, is is there anything that from the eight months that you had off in between Coles and Dan Murphy's and getting to know the systems now, is there is there any key kind of pillars that you want to? attack to really make it a, 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 a real destination or kind of just the ultimate experience or do you think they're all being worked on now they just need slight tweaking here and an improvement there look I, I think it comes down to what is what made Dan special in the first place you know in a, in a brand that's this loved there's clearly a lot that's right about it and I think you know in no particular order, it's, you know, Dan's is the most trusted for price, you know, value in general, the most trusted for range and for innovation, the most trusted for service. And in general, you know, depending on where you live, but in general has, has you know, some the best locations. Um, so from, from my perspective, um, it's really building on all of those key pillars um, and translating to what success looks like for those in the world of, of digital because I think in um, in liquor, digital is likely to be a very large part of the growth in the market over the next few years. So, you know, what I mean by that is if Dan's is already famous for service and discovery and its whole wine merchant program, for example, in store, the question for us is, well, how do we maintain that fame and how do we do that as well uh, in digital as we do in store, for example? Yeah, okay. um, and, and, and similarly, you know, because we're we're seen as very convenient. We have good car parks and so on. Well, what does that mean in a digital world? Well, it means, you know, frictionless boot pickup. Uh, it means the best delivery options. Um, you know, and we're very lucky that we have a, a delivery network, an in-house delivery network through um, Endeavor Drinks called Endeavor Delivery. And that means okay. already already we can do innovations like, you know, pick your day for delivery, two-hour delivery, same-day delivery. Um, so, you know, and that's just the start, really. But we need to be the most frictionless um delivery partner if we're going to replicate our success in in the bricks and mortar world 
Absolutely fantastic. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for just giving that insight, 38 minutes of pure insights into your world and kind of what was what was happening behind the scenes while we were just watching the news and seeing people, yeah, queuing up in a car park. Like, there's so much that goes on that people don't see. So absolute pleasure to to have you on the, the podcast, Alex, and to, to actually hear it firsthand and... Um, unedited so appreciate that and most people know how to to contact dan murphy's but if anyone wants to 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 follow the great stories of dan murphy's through alex uh is linkedin the best best way to to follow what you're doing yeah i'd say linkedin for me um and or for for the dan murphy's brand itself on linkedin Absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I'll let you get back to running uh, one of Australia's favourite brands because um, we're, we're still not out of it yet, but hopefully uh, you can enjoy a drink with uh, yeah Rachel uh, once it's all calmed down and uh, and look back on the, the absolute amazing stuff that you've implemented. Great. Thanks, Ben. Absolute pleasure. Thank you.